Thank y'all so much. I want to thank Brother Ben for preaching for me last Sunday morning and uh, in both services, and Brother John Henry for uh, preaching for me uh, Sunday night. And uh, I'm not sure, I think Van did Wednesday night, is that correct? I know Van had a busy week having a grandchild, and I want to congratulate them on that. John, the apostle, was one of the first disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was part of that inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John. And of that inner circle, John is known as the beloved disciple. He and Jesus were very close. And if you want to think about how close they were, when Jesus died on the cross, just before he died, Jesus committed the care of his mother not to his own family, but to John the disciple. I think that's interesting. And there may have been reasons for that. You know, Jesus knew things that we didn't know. Maybe he realized that uh, John was going to outlive all of those other people and would be better able to take care of his mother. I don't know. But we do know that John lived to be an old man. Apparently, he outlived all the rest of the disciples, and God used him to write several books of our Bible. One of those books you know as the Gospel of John, a great book of the Bible. And then one of those books is the book of Revelation. And you know how interesting that book is. But then there are those three little letters that he wrote, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And this morning, we're going to give our attention to 1 John because 1 John is a letter from an elderly pastor elderly like me, elderly to a group of people that he dearly loved. You know, pastors have churches that become very special to them. As Paul wrote to the Philippians, you can tell that the church at Philippi was dear to him. He loved them so much. And so if a pastor's sending a message, by the way, back in the prayer room, I went to the prayer room the other day and looked, and the Bible in the prayer room was given to the church by Brother Van Harden. Now, that's a long time ago. And there's a personal note in that Bible to this church from he and his wife indicating that he dearly loved this church. So you think about that. Some pastor, Brother Johnny Walker, if he was writing to First Baptist Church, or one of the pastors, former pastors, they're writing you a letter and, and how much they love you, they want to tell you everything that's on their heart. And so many people like this little book of the Bible. I like it, 1 John. They like it because of its simplicity. And in fact, it is one of the simplest books of the New Testament. It's written, as all the books of the New Testament are, in Greek. And, and among them, it is written in very easy-to-read Greek. Now, there are just over 300 Greek words that are used in this letter, and most of them are very common. And it's written in easy-to-read Greek, not because John was incapable of using words and concepts more complex, but because John was writing something he wanted, to be, he wanted it to be very easy to be understood. Uh, now, one of the things that we have to think about, even as we look at anything in the Bible, but you look at a letter, what makes a letter 
just a letter important enough uh, to become one of the books of our Bible. Well, remember, John was an eyewitness to the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when he writes, he writes from his own personal passion and his own personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. So now this little letter is one of the 66 books of our Bible. What is this little book of the Bible about? What is its purpose? Well, scattered through the five chapters of this book, John raises some questions intended to help his readers be sure that they really knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the purpose of this little book of 1 John is so that we could know. And that's a big uh, concept in his book. In fact, he uses the word know, K-N-O-W, no less than 32 times in these five chapters. And so beginning today, I'm going uh, to be raising uh, 12 very important questions. And hopefully the Holy Spirit will help you answer each one of these honestly. Now these are, your, these are questions that God is going to be raising to your heart and to my heart. And so, uh, and, and, the, and the importance of it is that you may know that you might have certainty about your own standing with God. Understand that. That's our purpose. So that you can have certainty about your own standing with God. That's John's purpose, and that's going to be my purpose in this series of messages I begin today. Now, each Sunday, a question is going to serve as the title of my sermon. You already see the question for today, and it is, have you experienced God? And that word experience is very important to John. Have you experienced God. A few years ago, I listened to a preacher criticize sharply other pastors who suggested that people could and should experience God. And this is what he said. He said that we should learn truths about God, but it was misleading to tell people that they could experience God. And of course, at that particular time, when he was sharing his ideas, he was sharing his ideas because of the popularity of the study by Henry Blackaby at that time called Experiencing God. Now, <clears throat> I, I like Henry Blackaby's study, Experiencing God. And I want to suggest to you, if it is misleading to tell people that they should and could experience God, then we can all go home. What I want to show you this morning is that John the Apostle, long after the cross, long after the resurrection, long after Pentecost, was teaching people that they should and could experience God. And so the title of the message today, as I've already told you, is, Have You? experienced God. Now, John, uh, you may be one of those people who, who looks with suspicion on those who talk about experiencing God. You may believe that the, the only way to know God is, is through the facts of the Bible. I don't disagree that we need the facts. 
But I suggest to you that you need more than facts. Let me remind you that John, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, had every fact in the, New, in the Old Testament. So did the rest of the Jews. But they needed more than facts. They, need, they needed more than a body of knowledge. They needed an encounter with God that would change their lives. And that's just what happened. And John tells about his own encounter in the first few verses of 1 John chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4. And John says, What was, and that little word was is important, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, and what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And, our, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you, so that our joy may be made complete. And in these four short and simple verses, John makes some very profound statements. First, John talks about what existed, something that existed that was unknown. It was unknown. He's telling us about something that existed before creation. He says, what was from the beginning? It, it was something, someone that was from the beginning, and he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's telling us that Jesus existed before time began, just as God existed. Now, uh, while the question I'm asking you today is, have you experienced God? You might be here today, I don't think there's anybody like this, but you might be somebody who questions the, exist the existence of God. You might be a skeptic. Therefore, you're reply to my question, have you experienced God, might be how can I experience a God who may or may not exist? Well, I want you to think about something for just a minute. Has there ever been anything that existed? Anything, anywhere that existed that you didn't know about? Well, of course, that's, that's, that's true. We make discoveries all the time in our own lives. I didn't know, I didn't know that that was out there. I didn't know there was something like that. And, and scientists make new discoveries all the time. I, I like to read science on the news and read about the, the new discoveries. And they're all the time uh, down in the ocean discovering some new species of fish that they didn't know existed or some new insect or some animal that they didn't know existed. And so with our, our limited understanding, there's always something that we're going to discover that we never knew existed. So, if you have a question about the existence of God, your question about the existence of God may be based on what you perceive 
to be a lack of evidence. You say, I don't, I don't have enough evidence to believe in God. Well, does your personal perception that there is a lack of evidence, would that indicate that God doesn't exist or that anything else didn't exist for that matter because you don't have evidence? The atheist would say there is no God. The, the agnostic person would say, if there is a God, then I don't know it because I don't have evidence. But, but what if I told you that there are signs and signals everywhere of the existence of God? The Bible tells us that. The heavens declare the glory of God day unto day, uh, uttereth speech night unto night, giveth forth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice cannot be heard. The, the word has been going out. The signals have been going out. God has been giving evidence ever since the beginning. So how unlikely is it that a society so advanced as ours, an observant society like ours, could overlook something as significant as the existence of God. We can see distant stars and planets. We can see uh, microscopic things. We make all kinds of discoveries. How could we miss God? Well, we miss a lot of things. Let me tell you something we missed. Were there any signs, any indications before September the 11th, 2001, that a terrorist attack might take place in this country? Were, was there any evidence that that attack might take place at the World Trade Center? For those of you who don't remember, you're too young to remember, the thing had been attacked once before by a similar group of people. Were there indications, were there any indications in our, in our country that Middle Eastern people were taking flight courses in preparation to use a commercial airliner to mount such an attack? Did our observant society overlook that evidence? Yes, we did. Something existed that we didn't know about, although there were warnings everywhere. It was blaring at us. It was right in our face, and we couldn't see it. Could God exist apart from your awareness, even though there are signs of His existence all around you? Yes, there are things that we don't know and can't know on our own. There are secrets that are impossible for us to uncover with our limited knowledge and ability. There are distant galaxies that will go undiscovered, not only in your lifetime, but in the lifetime of man, because those Galaxies are so distant that the mysteries that they contain will never be known by us. They are beyond our possibility of discovery. Now, if there is a creator of those distant galaxies and our own who lives outside of his creation and yet works inside his creation, wouldn't it make sense that it would take some kind of divine intervention to make for us to understand his existence, and His presence. So John simply begins with the obvious. There was something that existed that was unknown. He said we missed it, we couldn't perceive it, we couldn't discover it on our own, that which was from the beginning. And he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, he says in these verses, what existed that was unknown was manifested. In other words, it was revealed. 
In verse 1, John speaks of that which was from the beginning. And then in verse 2, he says, that which was from the beginning was made manifest. Now in Genesis chapter 1, uh, we learn that God created the world. We learn that he made a single man and a single woman. The man's name was Adam. Adam, by the way, is a Hebrew word that simply means man. So here is a man who wakes up in a garden. You've got to think about this just a minute. God creates him. I'm assuming God created him full grown. He wakes up in a garden, doesn't have a clue of how he got there, where he came from, or what he's supposed to do. And yet this first man knew God. How did Adam know God? Did God give him a book and tell him to read the book and learn the facts of his existence? Now, if you think about it, God manifested himself to Adam. He revealed himself to Adam. A little later in the book of Genesis, we read about another man named Enoch who knew God. How did Enoch know God? Did Enoch have a Bible so that he could learn the facts? No, he didn't have a Bible so he could learn the facts. Uh, Did he know him through the testimony of Adam and Adam just told him about God? No, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And then we learn about a man named Abraham. Did Abraham have a Bible? No, Abraham, he didn't have a Bible. Was it enough for Abraham to know facts about God? No, Abraham experienced God. And then we read about Moses, who experienced God at the burning bush. And all through the Bible, we meet person after person who experienced God. How did they come to experience God? God made Himself known. He manifested himself to them. He revealed himself. How did John know God? He had the Old Testament. Was that not enough? No. God wanted him to know more than facts. He wanted him to know him. He wanted him to experience him. So what happened? John is telling us right here in this letter. He's telling us that what was that existed that was unknown was manifested. It was revealed. Now, let me talk with you again about a little practical matter here. When did we know that there was a significant danger of terrorism in this country? I'm not asking you when, excuse my voice, I don't know what's happening to it. I'm not asking you when the government knew it. When did you know it? When were you first brought to a startling awareness of of the existence of such a danger. For most of you who are old enough to remember September the 11th, 2001, it was when you were sitting wherever you were and you know exactly where you were and you were watching your television screens as those planes flew into the World Trade Center. That is when what existed that was unknown to us was manifested and made known. We had an experience that day we saw something happening and we won't ever forget it. So this is the third point. What was manifested was made known by experience. Now, the question that is the title of the message today is have you experienced God? Should you expect to? Should you desire to? And did John experience God? Well, that's what he's trying to tell you. Uh, He said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, 
which we looked upon in our and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Do you hear what John is saying here? He's saying, I heard, I saw, I touched, I experienced God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he wrote these words, he was an old man. But what had happened to him had so impacted his life that he would never forget it. He saw the Lord. He experienced God. Have you experienced God? I think I might be hearing some, object, some objections. You, you're thinking that John's experience was exceptional, that it was out of the ordinary, that it was biblical, but not practical. And so what you're telling me then is that all we need are the facts, just the facts. We don't need an encounter. We don't need an experience. We just need to believe the truth. <clears throat> Allow me to remind you of what Jesus said to the Pharisees in his day who had all the facts memorized. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have life but you will not come to me so that you may have life in other words if we stop short at the facts but never experience <clears throat> the one to whom the facts point we have stopped sadly short of what God wants us to have. Finally, what was made known by experience can still be experienced. And that is why John wrote this little book. He wanted to make sure that the people who read it were experiencing God. He said in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And here's John. He's an old man. The resurrection long past. Pentecost, a distant memory. He had already written the Gospel of John. And now he could have said, you can read your Bible, and that'll be enough. But that's not what he said. He said, I am inviting you to experience what I experienced. I am inviting you to see what I saw. I am inviting you to touch what I touched and what touched me. I want you to experience God. Have you experienced God? What am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you that you should expect to encounter God when you read your Bible. You should expect more than facts and more than history. You should expect God to speak. When you come to church on Sunday, you should expect more than songs and more than singing and more than preaching and more than praying. You should expect God to be here. And that's not my promise. That's His. Have you experienced God? Do you truly know God? Or do you just know the facts? 
I thought about Doug bringing some Blue Bell ice cream this morning and offering it to the kids, but I was afraid that some of them might have some kind of food issue. I thought about, you know, having a little empty Blue Bell box. You can read what's inside. You can see what color it is. But until you've tasted it, you don't know anything about Bluebell. Bluebell ice cream, I think, is the best ice cream on the market. You can have a different opinion, but taste and see. And that's what the Bible says about God in the Old Testament. Not read and see, but taste and see that the Lord is good. That's an experience. One day, 25 years from now, some group of students are going to read in their history books about the attack that took place on America on September the 11th, 2001. They will read about how the threat existed and we didn't see it. They will read about how what existed was manifested as those towers came crashing down. They will know everything that you know and that I know, but they will not experience it. They will not feel what you felt when you saw it at home watching television that day. They will not feel what the people of New York felt as they tried to rush out of that building or those firemen felt as they rushed into it. They can read the facts, but they can't experience it. If all we have is the facts, we can pack it up and go home. But John says, I'm telling you a story about something that I saw and something that I heard and someone that I touched and who touched me. And I want you to have that same experience. I have fellowship with the Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you experienced God would you experience God he's here for you today the Lord Jesus Christ is present and he's speaking and he's calling out to those of us to all of us because he wants us to have fellowship with him that's more than facts that's an experience let's pray oh Lord as we come today we have all fallen short of the fullness that you want for us. There's more for us than we have received. More of you. More that you want us to taste. More that you want us to see. More that you want us to touch. And more of a touch than we've received that you want to give. And so, Lord, in this moment, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in such a way as to stir the hearts of these who are here and plant within them a desire to have a greater experience with you and to make sure, Lord, as John said, that they know you and that they know for certain that they have eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand and come as we sing? <laughs>